and um, yeah, I came into Indonesia uh, to find a greener pasture. This is a story about someone who left his country for a better life. But this is neither a story of a refugee or an asylum seeker, nor is it about someone that used Indonesia as a transit point before eventually resettling. This is also not a story about a foreign migrant seeking to become an unskilled laborer abroad. This is somebody that left his own country due to the situation. Everybody barely know what the, the situation in Nigeria is, I guess. Any good, any media or any journalist should be aware of that. So you're running away from that side thinking of getting something better here. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. You're listening to Indonesia In-Depth. This is Sean Corrigan. And this is Tanita. came in Indonesia in 2017. I uh, tried to see if I could go into one or two business. Then I heard um, there are some people around that sells a uh, business of um, clothing, kids' clothing. They say Indonesia has good qualities and all the rest. And um, also there are some clothings like um, the, 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 the boxers for men they can use. So we buy, then transport them to, back to Africa for resale. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, every business is, comes with their challenges, especially for someone who doesn't have the right capital to be able to run a huge or a high-scale business. And um, a lack of um, adequate knowledge concerning how the business runs. So then later, run out of capital and all the rest. However, after a while, I could not uh, renew the passport and all the rest, document paper. So I got busted. Papa, papa, papa. Migrasi, migrasi, migrasi. Oh, no, they say security, security, security. I say, oh, my God. Definitely, I'm gone. This is a story of Lucas, not his real name, who is currently being held at a detention center in West Jakarta. By overstaying his visa, he has violated Indonesian immigration law, but with no resources to facilitate his return home. The detention center has become his home since 2017. In a room that barely fits two people and has an open-plan bathroom, Lucas shares his room with another foreigner who also attempted to immigrate into Indonesia. Though they don't call it prison, the detainees spend most of their time in their rooms. They aren't allowed to work or earn money, but some detainees have access to smartphones and the internet through donations or help from Good Samaritans. Only recently did the facility manager provide spaces for recreation. But with social distancing measures for COVID-19 and nothing much to do to begin with, Lucas spent most of his time thinking about what he should do next. 
Uh, okay, uh, born in Nigeria, you know that already. Was raised in Nigeria, schooled in Nigeria, had my primary education in Nigeria, uh, secondary, then to tertiary. When I had my first degree, I studied agronomy. And I went further, struggled. It was, all this thing I'm saying, it wasn't easy getting, <laughs> getting the education done because we have a very harsh, mild environment. You need to be tough or tougher to be able to overcome the environment and to be able to get your degree. Unlike other countries of the world, like US especially, they force them to go to school. But in Africa, the students, they are eager to go to school, but the system of the schooling there is very, very harsh. When describing what he meant by harsh, he repeatedly mentioned how social classes and privileges play major roles in determining one's success in such things as enrolling in an education course of one's choice, graduating, and eventually landing a job. So most times, many of us there aspire to become so many things, doctors, engineers, but the enabling environment is not there. So at the end of the day, you see most of us turning in into uh, courses where you can gain your admission. Are you getting me? Yeah, because if you go for the uh, basic medical sciences, the competition there becomes too tough, such that sometimes you need to be uh, somebody of influence. If you do not meet up with the criteria before you can gain admission into there. So, but luck is part of the game as well. If you are lucky, gain your admission. So that is the major factor, I would say, that affects most of the African child. And they don't get to uh, delve into their choice of study. Unlike that in the US, if you want to be a nurse, you can opt in to be a nurse. But you want to be a nurse in Africa, it's difficult because a lot of constraints. Then I studied um, agronomy, like I told you, in my first degree. Then I struggled because the major thing is job. There's no job. I lived in the town. I live in Lagos. School in Ibadan, I told you. Uh, there's no job. And um, you need to struggle. Before you get a job, you need to be very, very influential or you must know somebody that is very influential to be able to secure a job after graduation. Hence, there will be a lot of um, youth roaming around the streets, jobless. It's no news. It's everywhere. So this makes it very difficult for the team in youth to be able to uh, engage themselves, especially those that are seeking for a white-collar jobs. They can't get that. Like Indonesia, Nigeria is a highly populated country with over 200 million people. It has a growing number of middle and upper class and is rich in natural resources. While Nigeria possesses Africa's largest economy and, at one point, Africa's fastest growing economy, it has also been struggling with some of the most extreme inequality gaps. The country has a young demographic 
with more than half of the population being under 30 years old. It is especially hard for the young and those who are productive to move up economically, as almost 20% of them are unemployed and many more are underemployed, based on a 2019 report from the World Bank and the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics. Then after that, you still stay with your parents again, seeking for job, one year is gone, no good job, okay, you eventually probably turn into teaching. You apply in the government institutions. In fact, you, have, you don't even know what will happen. whatever happens to the application, you don't know. That's one way. So, you struggle, you make applications into private um, schools, mostly uh, secondary schools. So, you try to seek job, yet the ones you find, the pay will be so low, so, 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 so low in a month. Sometimes you may pay like maybe 20,000 naira. 20,000 naira is, let's call it like $50 or $60 in a month. So having that job, 20,000, 25,000, let's call it maybe like from 50 to $100 in a month. So cost of transportation, cost of everything, cost of living, cost, blah, which what? At the end of the day, you might have to borrow or your parents have to support you extra to be able to uh, be in attendance or to be attending or to be working, I say. So that's one part of the story. Yeah, so after then, uh, it was not really, really working out. Most times, you stay home all day trying to think of what and what you could do. The environment is, is very, very harsh. So... You sometimes you don't get to think very well, and if you're not careful, you get get influenced by bad um, friends, and who knows. And things didn't get easier after he went off to complete his master's degree. A lack of finances has impeded him to do work projects that can generate income. So when I checked, I said, "Okay, there's no need to waste much time. Let me see if I could proceed." with a master degree. So I enrolled quickly. The master degree because the grade is good, so it can secure a master degree. What did you study in masters? Yeah, I studied crop physiology. What I passed through undergraduate, in fact from primary to secondary, it was war. Then to so the university was like Second World War. Then to so the masters was like third world war which I don't pray it should happen. So it was tough. So when I looked at the, the PhD level, I said, no, it's going to be tough. So I had to hold on a bit. So let me see if I could look for a job. So that was the story of the job. So you apply, 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 apply. Stories everywhere, man. It wasn't that easy. So that was where we are. After that period, Lucas decided it's time to leave the country. Why did you decide to go to Indonesia? Okay, well, Indonesia, I don't even know, I barely know nothing about Indonesia. I just traveled 
So my village then and um, we have the this mindset that just go abroad, do some linear jobs, do some businesses. It's better in abroad. At least you win paid. There are jobs that the people might not want to take. You can take those jobs. We've been hearing stories. Even while we were growing up from uncles, some of them are in US, 20 years, they are not back. <laughs> so you keep hearing stories that at least it's better out there than where we are. Where you are, you need to be waiting for your parents to be feeding you even at the age of 20 something. I don't know, it was ridiculous. I was opportunity to meet just few people, community friends, um, people of the same ethnic ethnicity, village, and all the rest. So when I travel to the village, sometimes, oh, they said, ah, Indonesia good, this and that, jobs, blah, 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 blah. And this one that I'm, that I'm educated, say, it will be easier. Because most of them were not educated understand some don't have um maybe these some maybe maybe secondary level of education they stopped or something have any of them been been to indonesia already or was it just hearsay yeah some of them had been and come and gone so the stories they tell you but they tell you a lot of about a lot of country but you hear that it might be easier to go to us now it might be difficult except maybe on this their what's it called lottery program and all the rest. So, but for the Indonesia, the day is easy. So just get some little amount of money. There will be an agent to process that for you and all the rest. So that was our Indonesia. I never, I don't know anything about Indonesia. I don't know anything about Indonesia. That was how Indonesia came in. So, but luckily, I was able to have support from few people processing the visa then the hair tickets and other rest just as all his plans to flee nigeria seemed to be taking shape and was issued a visa to indonesia he found another serious issue where could he get the money to buy an airplane ticket the clock was ticking there were barely 3 days before his tourist visa would expire but he still hadn't been able to secure his ticket. So he made a last-minute effort to borrow money from anyone that he could. If he failed, the money for the visa and the visa itself would be a total waste. The ticket was, was, was costly. It's more than a thousand plus now to get the ticket. Have I ever seen a thousand plus before in my life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you get it? Did you did you borrow the money or? Yeah, yeah you know, sometimes... Um, when it comes to that, Africans are good. The parent can go as far as going to sell lands. Yeah, they sell. They have, we have we have inherited lands from our fathers and our forefathers. So you know, as they are giving birth, they are sharing the land amongst the children. So we have to go sell. You know, land at least bring the ones you have, what you have, so that. Whoever wants to support can bring in a little support. So by that, at the time, it was, I thought I would not even go again because it was barely three days for the three months stay to expire. 
if you don't come into Indonesia, that one is just a total waste. <laughs> I was running up and down, had that uh, you know. So, but luckily, I was able to uh, get to the bill, borrowed. Share. Were you expecting to get a white collar job in Indonesia? Yes, yes. Of course, now the way they, I was informed, so I had to come with my certificate. They say your own is even better. You will have a um, certificate, so definitely you have upper hand. Do you understand? So I, I had to come with the photocopies, and the files, and all the rest, so that when you come in here, at least you can apply one or two jobs. Maybe find a means. Whatever the system be, when you get here, you understand it better than when someone is trying to explain to you. So that was how Indonesia picture came in into the system. So I had to rally around because it was like the easiest or the cheapest, or let me say cheaper, getting the visa and all the rest. Lucas is right. Compared to some other countries such as Thailand, the US, and France, Indonesia offers a much affordable short-term tourist visa. And not to mention, the living cost in Indonesia can be like 100% cheaper than most of those countries. But obtaining a work visa in Indonesia is often difficult due to shifting government policy and red tape. In a move to attract investment, the government has recently opened up additional positions available for foreign recruits, while at the same time, ease foreign investment restrictions. But even then, foreign workers make up only around 0.05% of the total workforce in Indonesia, which is a very small ratio against its total population, and when you compare it to neighboring countries such as Malaysia and Singapore. Lucas is not the only Nigerian in this type of situation. There are approximately 400 other Nigerians who are detained in various detention centers across Indonesia due to visa overstays and other immigration violations. In other countries, instances of short-stay visa violations are actually not that uncommon among Nigerian migrants. The US, for example, which is home to most of the Nigerian diaspora, added new travel measures to Nigerians earlier this year in response to a high number of visa overstays. There are over 200,000 Nigerians who fled their country as refugees and asylum seekers, but a million more Nigerians migrated abroad too, most of whom are of a working age. According to a 2019 PWC report, Young Nigerians are fleeing the country and continue to plan on emigrating within the next five years due to lack of opportunities at home. Getting out of his country to travel to Indonesia was already a huge deal for Lucas. He has never been abroad and it already cost him a fortune just to get a one-way ticket even though there was no certainty that things would even work out. When Lucas finally landed in Jakarta, 
He pulled out a piece of paper which had the address of an African contact that he had never met, but hoped would help him get started in the new city. But passing through border security was so much harder than he thought. When, when I came, the person that helped me with the processing of the paper then gave me the contact of a friend. Do you understand? So when I came, even the come itself was also a different thing because I had no internet to call to get across to the person. Before then, they gave me address. They said it's, um, uh, what's it called? Kilapa Gardenias then. So I don't know anything about it. So when I came in, I had to bring some, for the person, I had to bring some African delicacies, um, food, so that they can have enough because I, you hear that in abroad, you don't get to eat your traditional meals. You don't get to have access to them because it becomes too expensive. So I had to pack as much as, and I have a lot of hustle in the airport and eventually came in and uh, passed through Indonesia custom, their stress and all sorts of things. Try to threaten you, frighten you. You just get to... <laughs> so eventually gain entry and the airport looking like one baboos in the old place and it was late. So I had to, luckily enough, I picked up a taxi, told them, garden, whatever, I don't know, say garden, yeah, I say, just take me there because I'm stressed up already. <laughs> just take me. How much I do? Just, I think I gave him about 25 bucks or something, $25 that I had. And they just take me from the airport there. Yeah, just take me, take me, take me. I'm stressed. At the immigration checkpoint, Lucas was nearly denied entry due to a minor administrative visa issue, and he was one step away from being deported. All the sacrifices that he made to get out of Nigeria, the expectations set upon him by his family, and the hopes and dreams he carried along would all be crushed, dashed, tarnished. Going back was not an option. Can you tell us more about, about what happened in, uh, when you arrived in the airport and the immigration? So why, why did you say people threatened you or uh, who, who threatened you? or <laughs> What do you mean by that? <laughs> that one, I don't know what to say. Maybe when I leave Indonesia, you do me this time, I will say. <laughs> When I guess when I live in Indonesia, you give me the interview, I will tell you basically everything that happens or that happened to me at the airport there. Not now when I'm staying in Indonesia, I cannot fight. <laughs> so but however, you have to you know, I don't know what happened. They said they were making a lot of deportations, blah blah blah. Now your ticket is two days, I'll be a day. Okay, I think I was arriving a that same day. If it exceeds that the the three months grace or what did they call it or something like that would have expired, then they have to take me to one corner of the room, you know, sort of interrogate me, say they are taking me back, blah blah. I said, why are you taking me back? You don't know how far I've come. You taking me back, you maybe is it to be suicidal? Yeah, what? A lot of depth on my head and blah blah. I will show a lot of land. And the people will be hoping that something good is gonna come out from your journey. So you taking me back will be suicidal. So I so after much negotiations, um, they said okay, you have to pay. I said, okay, whatever it is. How much do I have? I said I don't have this. 
said no we had to negotiate price so eventually i gave them 300 dollars just just allow me to come in let me just have my peace How does that uncertainty feel for you? It's not easy because you you like at the time you feel like ah I need to be at least I need to be home I need to be home it's been a while uh, you know sometimes we don't plan what comes but it just come and as a man or a human being you have to face your challenges that um surrounding any man so sometimes you feel depressed yeah uh, you become you say yourself um, all of a sudden in a state of depression uh that why why is the situation like this then you look and see some other people doing good and some other people but at the end sometimes you you sum up courage because there are still people you are better than you understand mm-hmm. so yeah it's sometimes you feel that state of depression you know or another time you need to encourage yourself the journey to life sometimes it's not favorable itself but if a knock hits you then you might be celebrated tomorrow so that's just it So it doesn't mean easy though. It doesn't mean easy. The young men drive these back and forth in the cities trying to make ends meet, but it's not enough. They hope that whoever wins this election focuses on the economy and tries to create jobs. Other issues of course affect Nigerians like the insecurity uh, in the north and northeast of Nigeria because of Boko Haram. People who live in River State, the oil rich area complain that the central government is spending too much of that wealth on themselves and not on the people. You get people in Biafra. Ah. Nigeria currently undergoing an increased toll of hardship. Yeah, I tend to sometimes communicate with friends and You are in, have you ever been in a situation where you are tight in a corner held in a tight corner and even those ones out there will be looking up to you for a part of their survivor so are you what will you going to do are you going to go there i don't know if you understand what i'm saying so you're saying that your friends and family back in nigeria feel that your situation here in jakarta is still better than if you were back home Yeah, that's really a thought. They try to explain the situation that see no job yet and other rest they keep praying that hoping one day you get a job and it's better. They even tell you they will let you know because it's better you stay in abroad and probably do petty jobs and make some money than you come home because you already know the onto hardship that is surrounding the country there and a lot of things insecurity at she last year it was the primary stronghold of Boko Haram and a scene don't waste time nobody should fire uh, what's called for governance is is unheard 
So it's not something that is hidden. It's all over the media, everyday killings, not the talk of the massacre. This is massacre. This is massacre. We don't know why. No, no, no. What, why, the government is not really, really trying. Or, I don't know what to say. But it's been terrible, especially on Christians. Muslim has severally been accused of being biased towards the religion. But he has urged Nigerians to be united. So every day we go to the news, it's been massacre, insecurity, the police, the way they manhandle any youth. Yeah, it's mostly, in fact, what comes up. But however, the country is trying to balance itself because definitely it's normal when such situations are happening natural ecosystem will find a means to balance itself and the economy is dwindling so bad people are really really complaining so when you look at the situation you'll be like i wish you are working so you'll be able to gather something make some savings so that you could go back without being a burden or extra burden to them Because if you are going back and you are going back to be a burden to them, I don't think anyone will look at you. Although by all measures, Nigeria is one of Africa's richest countries and among the world's most culturally diverse, it has been facing multiple security, social and political issues from ongoing competition over scarce farming land, reportedly corrupt at weak central government, to persisting insecurity in the northeastern part of the country. And once you return to Nigeria, what are your plans? Hmm, another question. That's, that is the question that has been, that has been trickling my, my mandula blancata in a long time. What will be the plans? I've been thinking about it in a very long time. But uh, I just have to link up, I just have to hook up, I just have to meet up. Let me just go, start something, start something. Then I have to try to make applications again, especially to US or whatever. I just I need to be out there. We want to thank Lucas again for sharing his personal stories during difficult times. We wish him well on his journey and his new chapter in life. If you would like to read our interview with Lucas, visit our website at indonesiaindepth.com to view the transcription of this episode. If you would like to join our effort to support Lucas with his return home, please join our fundraising campaign with crowdfunding app Kita Bisa by searching for Indonesia In Depth until the 30th of September. All proceeds will be donated to Lucas directly. Let us know what you think about this and other episodes through our email address at info at indonesiaindepth.com or our social media handles on Twitter at IndoIndepth or our Instagram at IndonesiaIndepth. This episode is produced by Sean Corrigan and Tanita, is written by myself, Tanita, edited by Risky, research and fact-checking, and in fact, the one that got us in this interview in the first place, Veronica, and visually designed by Daniel. Thanks so much for listening.